Well, hello. Before we jump into this week's episode, I wanted to let you know that Jason's 200-hour online teacher training is ready and open for enrollment. So he will be starting this next cohort on October 24th. We are right now in the early bird enrollment period where you get $300 off. So you can get all of the details about that training and register at learn.jasonyoga.com. Hey everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti and this is Yoga Land. Hi, Jason. Hi, Andrea. This is take two, so I'm going to just jump right in here and say that our topic for today is making arm balances beneficial for beginners. Last week, we talked about backbends. If you missed that one, go back and listen to that one. This is a great little series. And I think I love arm balances for beginners because I remember being a beginner, seeing the shapes and just thinking they looked really cool and really wanting to do them. And I remember what the first time I did side crow for my dad, he was like, you kind of look like you're like a skateboarder in that position or something. So I think unless you've done certain kind of X Games sports or gymnastics, these are just totally new, unfamiliar shapes. And they're great things to explore your body and to demystify. Yeah. So like last week, we are releasing this episode on arm balances. I'm also going to release a yoga teacher's companion on Jason Crandall YouTube that goes into me actually teaching these poses. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to talk more about the concepts, the benefits, the priorities, why these particular arm balances are my favorite to work with beginners. But make sure to check out later this week the actual episode where I show you how to teach these. And I, I want to take a moment and just do a tiny contrast of the benefit of arm balances compared to the benefit of backbends. I think the benefit of backbends are much more overtly, they're much more overtly beneficial for the human body. Mm -hmm. Meaning we tend to be short in the front body. We tend to be in a subtle amount of forward flexion all the time, head forward and down, spine rounded, hips in flexion. So I feel like a lot of the benefits that we talked about last week when we were talking about backbends are more postural, physical, mental, emotional. They're, they're more about the attributes of a healthy, upright individual. I don't think arm balances are as mechanically as important to mm -hmm. beginners as backbends. Mm -hmm. But exactly what you are talking about is there's a certain... I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I think there's a certain aesthetic interest mm -hmm. in doing some of these poses. Mm -hmm. Like they they look to someone that's new to yoga, like yoga, mm -hmm. right? And that can be a downside, right? This isn't all about aesthetics, obviously. But I think it's valuable to just have interest and have intrigue. And, and fun. And fun. And to kind of put yourself up to a test. You know what I mean? And the, the other thing I kind of want to say about these is, you will have students that, of of course, struggle with these poses right off the bat and have some aversion to them, but that's okay. Like those are really important things to work with. It's, it's. I think that we learn in our yoga practice more from what doesn't come easily or naturally to us than what does. Mm -hmm. 
And so we can't be afraid to introduce things to people because they're not going to be able to do those things. Sure. Right? I mean, this is, we, we can't be that um, that tepid and, and soft of people um, confronting themselves and, and, and challenging themselves. And I think that working with these poses in a skillful and articulate and progressive way um, is a way to have fun and to believe in yourself and to to kind of demystify some physical goal. And it's really basic, but over time when we learn to do something that we weren't once able to do, it's hugely empowering, Mm -hmm. right? And so I would say that's the biggest benefit of these poses Mm -hmm. is that they tend to inspire interest. They tend to inspire some aversion, which is good. We get to actually work through that. And they tend to be just interesting and inspiring. Yeah, I mean, I think you you made me think of something, which is that so often when we try to learn something new, it's just human nature to want to be able to do it right away. Right. And most people can't do every single arm balance right away. There might be like one that your body is more naturally prone to than the other, but for most of us, we actually have to become learners and this is where I think you've always been very talented as a teacher and, and yoga allows for this, which is that you you learn to become a learner who breaks things down step by step and learns in a progressive way. And then you build, like you said, you're building up that confidence by learning, oh, okay, I can't do this last thing, but I'm not just going to like kick stones and walk away and you know throw my, my pencil across the room. I'm going to break it down into little baby steps and and over time people typically get there or they get to something close to it right or they get to some sort of resolution you know over a decade of oh this is not something my body's going to do right and then you just and that's okay that. and then you get to acceptance and you've learned a ton along the way okay so that's kind of it, it was maybe the third thing that I was going to say in terms of the third benefit but um this, so let's just kind of tidy up the second benefit to me, which is exactly what you were saying, which is I find that these poses help us become better problem solvers. And I don't mean to say that these poses are problems. They're like puzzles, right? They're, they're more puzzles than they're problems. But when we can puzzle solve, it's both physically good for us, but it's, it's really mentally and emotionally good for us of thinking to ourselves, okay, let me take a step back here and let me establish a process and a routine and allow me to be a learner. So your ability to problem solve or puzzle solve and become a more skillful learner is way more important than just your ability to do bakasana, yeah, right? It's but huge. I, I kind of used to joke with my students all the time that a lot of yoga is just this long con to get you to relate to yourself It's better, so true. It's right? so true. Like we, we kind of think like, oh, we're learning this pose and we're learning this pose. And we are. But usually by the, the day after we can do a pose, we don't, it doesn't matter anymore, right? But everything, so this is now the next benefit, which is understanding the concept that everything you put into learning something is way more valuable than what you actually learn. So if we take bakasana, for example, and we'll talk about bakasana, I'll break it down a little bit. But if we think about bakasana, right, you're learning technique. You're learning a skillful transition of body weight. You're learning how to focus your attention. 
you're becoming a little bit stronger in your upper body, your anterior core, your hip flexors, and all of these things. And so it's the it's those things that you're building in route to actually being able to do the pose that are probably going to give you more benefit over time than just the pose itself, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. One more thing, because I don't want to forget it, because we're gonna we're gonna move on to talking about the individual poses in a moment soon, um, which is. I don't want us to assume that because these poses are often hard that we should avoid them for new students, right? We kind of talked about that, but arm balances, the one I'm going to talk, ones I'm going to talk about today, these were all easier for me than bridge pose. These were all easier for me than Pachimottanasana. They caused way less pain in my body than, than upward facing dog, right? And so I just kind of want to throw it out there that I don't think that we should I don't think that we should really ever avoid a postural family for beginners because our beginners are such a a diverse range of students that I think that all postural families should really be on the table and that we should just find a skillful way for approaching those postural families for the students that we have. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Well said. One more benefit. They're strengthening these these poses are really they are really good at strengthening the upper arms and the shoulders and the anterior core. And so that's that's kind of the last benefit before we go into the individual ones that I, I think we just wanna we want to acknowledge in the same way that back bends are mechanically beneficial for strengthening the back body and lengthening the front body. Arm balances are typically mechanically beneficial for strengthening the upper and the mid body. Okay. Okay, great. Okay, so let's get down to brass tacks and talk about which arm balances are most beneficial for beginners to practice or for when you're teaching beginners. Yeah, so I I really like to think about arm balances as being comprised of families. So when we talked about the back bends, we talked about you have your face down back bends, you have your kneeling back bends, and you have your reclined back bends for beginners. So I'm going to give you a, a kind of similar, a similar organizational structure for arm balances, which is that we have the side plank family, we have the bakhasana family, and we have the push down and lift up family, right? We have those three families. And the family that I really like to start with, because it is by far the most accessible, is the side plank family. And there's really three different versions of side plank that I like to do. And the reason that I really like to do the side plank family first is, number one, you're not lifting a foot. Like, you're going to have an arm and a leg. So it's it's more of a lateral balance than an arm balance, truthfully, right? Because in, in the other arm balances, your feet are going to be off the ground. You're going to be on the hands. This, you're going to have a foot on the ground or a knee on the ground or both. So it's kind of a lateral balance. This just makes the pose a little bit less hard. Like there's less, in a, in a way, there's less balancing. The other thing about this family is it, people, are not, people are not likely to crash and burn. And when we talk about bakasana, and I'm going to let everyone know a setup or two for the bakasana poses that I like to teach, where we can ensure a little bit more safety for our students. But, you know, you can take a header in those poses. Mm-hmm. You know sure. what I mean? For sure. People yeah. do. But 
it's, it's pretty hard to crash and burn in the side plank. The other thing about the side plank family is I don't think it's quite as exciting or as like aesthetically laudable, but it's actually really technical. Like when we, when we learn the technique, when our, when our students learn the technique, even just how the arm rotates and how the scapula moves in the side plank family, it really teaches some important mechanics that are not only valuable in this family, and they're good poses to grow on because it's actually a huge family once you're a little bit more of a seasoned student. Um, but these are good technical underpinnings for other arm balances. Great. Okay. So what are we talking about when we're talking about the family of side okay. plank poses? The family of side plank poses that we're going to teach for beginners is essentially just the foundational version of Vashistasana with two different preparatory stages. So we can think about this as one arm balance with two preparatory stages or three arm balances that are all in progression to each other. And the first one is just Vashistasana with the same side knee down. Mm -hmm. So you want to imagine that, oh, and one more thing. I actually like, so I think this is a really important detail when working with beginners. When you're working with beginners, one of the best things you can do is not overfill their plate. So when you're getting someone to transition into a pose, make it as uncomplicated as you can. So, so try to unstack poses together. So when I transition for beginners into, ha into um, side plank, I just like to do it from all fours instead of, instead of from like down dog or plank or some sort of flow. So from all fours, let's say we're going to bring, we're going to do it on the right side. So from all fours, we take the right hand about a half a hand's length forward. So we need to step that bottom hand a little forward of the shoulder. And so it's not directly underneath the shoulder. We want it a little bit forward. Then what we're going to do is we're going to bring the same side knee down. So if I've stepped my right hand slightly forward, I bring my right knee down. Got it. Then all I'm going to do is I'm going to take, I'm going to turn to my left. I'm going to reach my left arm towards the ceiling. And then I'm going to spin the inside of the back foot to the floor. So my base is one line that is my right hand, my right knee, my right foot, and my left foot. I've turned my left foot into that same plane. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't, again, I remember I visually break all these down on the teacher's the YouTube companion. that's coming. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and then from there, I'm really talking about slightly externally rotating the bottom arm. So I have people turn their elbow crease to face their thumb. So my right hand is my base hand, okay, when I'm on the right side, obviously. So just imagine you're in down dog and you spread your fingers and you look where your thumb is. You just rotate your right elbow crease and bicep to face that thumb so that you have a real moderate position of external rotation. Then we're going to push the floor away to protract or to broaden the shoulder blade and pull the shoulder blade a little bit down the back, right? Okay. Another nice thing about this pose is it does start to strengthen that bottom waistline. Like it does get to the side of the core, not as much as the other ones, but this is a good strengthener for anyone or any of your students that have wrist, wrist challenges. You do exactly what I'm talking about. You just bend the elbow and bring the forearm to the floor. Okay. Yeah. And then the second one, I have to say the second one 
I really love, and I incorporate it in a lot of my classes. I incorporate it in trainings. I incorporate it in Glow because it's an easy pose to do, but it is a really good strengthener for everyone. So this is like a good from beginner to advanced level student. So from here, what we're going to do, this is harder. This is kind of harder to visualize just in audio, but we're going to start the same way. We're going to be on all fours. We'll step the right hand a little forward, turn the right elbow crease and bicep to face the right thumb. Same beginning. Now we're still on all fours. We're going to pick up the opposite side. So I'm going to pick up my left knee and my left foot, and then I'm going to put my left foot you know what? I'm let me let me describe it from down dog. Okay. Even though even though you 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 will see if you watch the companion, you'll see me do it from all fours. Yeah. But let's let's visualize it. Actually, let's visualize it from plank. It's going to be an easier okay. way. So to you're plank. in regular side you're, plank. No, let's say for, we're in regular plank. Oh, regular plank. Sorry. Let's say we're in just regular plank pose, Got which it. is a reasonable pose to teach beginners. So mm-hmm. you're in just plank, and then whatever foot you're okay. So we're going to be in. We're going to go to the right side. Okay. So to go to the right side, we're actually going to step our left foot as if we're stepping that foot forward between the hands, but we're only going to step it halfway. So we're in plank pose. We step the left foot half the distance to our hands, and it's going to feel really weird. Like there's no other pose where you set up. This almost feels like you're trying to step the foot forward, but you can't and you Mm -hmm. get stuck. So you Mm -hmm. just step it midway. And then you, and then from there, you roll to the outside of the right foot. So you're in side plank Mm -hmm. with the left foot in the middle of the mat. Got it. Then you just turn the toes out and the heel in so that your left foot, that foot that you step forward is mid mat, the bottom of the foot is to the floor and the toes are facing the side of the mat. Mm -hmm. The left arm is up towards the ceiling now. Mm -hmm. The thing that's so nice about this is you have a, a really stable base. And in that stable base, the foot you step forward in this situation, the left, you press that foot really strongly down and you lift the bottom hip strongly. And when you do this, this gives a really great strengthener to the outside of both hips, to the bottom of the, to the side of the bottom waist. So in this side, the right side of your core, and also even though you're more stable than in the final version, the leg stacked version, you're still absorbing all the weight like you would in normal side plank. So this helps you really strengthen that bottom arm and shoulder. So the technique that you used from the knee down variation, now you have the the full strength variation. And then finally, we can just go full full side plank. Mm-hmm. So we take that foot, the, in this situation, the left foot, which we've stepped forward, and we just stack it on top of the right leg. Mm-hmm. Now, if anyone has a really hard time with balance, you can do the same leg stacking, but instead of taking the, instead of actually stacking the legs, so instead of stacking the inside of the left leg or the inside of the left foot on the inside of the right foot, you can just step that left foot a little bit back behind you. So the leg that stacks on top, instead of it actually stacking, you just take the foot a little bit to the floor behind you. Yeah. Um, and and this, you're in full-blown side plank. Mm-hmm. This is going to give a lot of strength, a lot of focus, and it also helps chip away because in, unless your student has a wrist issue, almost everyone can do this. 
it chips away at that little nagging voice inside that says, I, I can't do arm balances. Yeah. I don't yeah, do, yeah. oh, no, 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 I don't do arm balances. Right. Right? It's like, well, you, you just did. <laughs> right. and, and this is another reason why I think that these, that the side plank family is the best family to do right off the bat because it's the most accessible. They're such a kind and welcoming family. They are a kind and welcoming family, <laughs> except for the advanced versions of this pose. True. Where you start holding the, well, holding the top foot and reaching the top leg up, that's fine, right? And maybe not for new students, but then Capitulous taking the, t- yeah, yeah, taking the leg back behind you in a back bend, yeah. straightening the bottom leg forward, Visvamitrasana is part of the family, oh, yeah, taking the me. top leg into half lotus, Kasyapasana. It's actually a huge of, of of the arm balance families. It's it's one of the biggest. Mm-hmm. It's a there's a lot of poses to this. I think that's another thing of why I like to do this to beginners is I just know that down the road, if you have a good foundation in these three poses, not only is it going to build confidence and chip away at that sense of I can't, but it. It, it possibly opens the door to a really nuanced, dynamic, big family of poses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay, the next family of poses is like the Jason, iconic Jason Crandall family of poses. I'm guessing it's your your favorite, right? It's Bakasana. No, actually, Bakasana I don't think is my favorite arm balance. What's your favorite? Okay. I think that my favorite arm balance is maybe Ekapadagalavasana. Really? Yeah, which is just not a it's just not a beginner's pose. Interesting. Do you know what my favorite is? No. Visvamitrasana. I think okay, I think from a not doer's perspective, but from a purely aesthetic perspective, I think Visvamitrasana is the most beautiful arm balance. And I got to tell you, you have a very beautiful Visvamitrasana. When I'm in peak form, I do. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. It's a, I think it's a really really I think it's um it, to me, it's one of these like big, spacious, aesthetically beautiful yeah. poses that doesn't look distorted or overwhelming. That's true. It's true. It feels so good. Yeah. It feels natural for me. I mean, again, when I'm in peak form, like I can't just pop it out right now, but if yeah. I were practicing it for about a few months, I could. It's Parivrita Janashashasana on top of yeah. side plank. It's so, I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the thing that I really like about Bakasana, both as a practitioner and as a teacher, is it's it's like there are so many transitions in and out of it. Like it's just always there. It doesn't, and I would say of the arm balances, it doesn't take a ton of preparation. True. It, because it doesn't, it's not, it's not asking, it's not asking the body to be in a high demand position, except for the wrists. I think that, you know, it's it's hard with the exception of, like you said, falling on your face, which you can always put some padding in front of you. It's pretty hard to wedge yourself into this pose in a way that's going to injure you. Whereas yeah. like if you were doing a lotus-based, you know, or a, even a Kapatagalvasana, like any kind of where you're you're leveraging things a bit more, you can injure yourself. But Bakasana, yeah, I mean, it was, I feel like early on it was introduced to me and it is still such a hard pose for me, unless I'm, I'm practicing it all the time that I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> I resent it. Yeah. I get it. I get it. I'm just so top heavy and not top strong. 
Mm. Um, and then, you know, my center of gravity is like, I got my hips and I got to lift that booty up. It's like, that's all kinds of things. But this is not about me. This is about the listener. So it is a great pose for beginners. Yeah. So let me get really macro since you made it about you. Okay. <laughs> um, let's make it not about beginners for a moment. Let's make it about everyone for a moment. There are a couple of things. Okay. This is not an easy pose. So there's nothing you can do where all of a sudden this is going to be easy, right? And it's, I would say the same thing with arm balances. At at like second number 20 or 15 or 20, like these poses are hard for everyone, right? It, for, for plenty of people at second point one. But my point is like, there's a couple of details that make these poses way more accessible. Like, when I watch students and I and I aggregate the main challenges that people experience in Bakasana and Parsha Bakasana, I can tell you right now the three primary mistakes. So let's talk about those. Let's make sure we clean those up. Okay. And then we can talk about this against these two poses specifically for beginners. Okay, number one. And this is something I literally, if there's a thing I preach and in insane about with my teacher trainees. It's this. When you're doing a hard pose, you can't do the easy part of that pose flippantly or with negligence. When you're doing something hard, you have to make sure that you're doing the easy part of that pose to a T. And when we're talking about Bakasana and Parsha Bakasana, the easy part of the pose is the setup. Mm-hmm. Most people just put their arms in a random place, or they, or they put their hands just, they're just like, put the hands on the ground instead of like taking the hands off the ground and pushing the arms back against the shins. So the first thing is understanding where the arms go in this pose. First, you don't want to just like squat and put your hands on the ground. If you're doing that and you're still struggling with it, there's a thing you have to do first, which is come into the squat, take the hands off the ground, Get the arms as low down the front of the shins as you possibly can. And with the arms, specifically the triceps, push back against the shins. So the arms are pushing into the shins and the legs are squeezing into the arms. The hands are not on the ground yet. You want to get this connection between arm and leg to be really sutured together, right? You want to get this because the arms are the platform that the legs have to go on top of. So you want to get those like really wedged together first. You want like good, strong contact first. That's the first thing. Then the second major mistake is not changing the level of the hips enough. So a lot of times, and I would say this is more of a beginner's mistake, to be honest. A lot of times people will take the arms down, put the hands on the ground. Let's say they did it skillfully, like I just articulated but then they just kind of like push their hips forward. Mm -hmm. You have to lift your butt. You have to lift the butt at least a little bit because you want to think about the arms or the upper body as a shelf that you're putting the hips on top of. You're perching like a bird. Yeah, you. so you have to like drop the, you have to get the shoulders and the arms low down the legs and you have to lift the hips, right? The, The final thing that I would say is the, is the most common error. And it's like the very last bit of the pose, which is 
mean, I, I created a, I have a whole other teacher's companion that I'll link below about the most important secret to all arm balances. But here's the deal. In arm balances, you are not lifting up. You are leaning forward. Leaning forward is what lifts the feet up. If you if you are trying to lift the feet, if you're like in Bakasana and trying to lift the foot, and as soon as you lift a foot, it comes back down, you don't need to lift the foot. You need to position your body weight further forward. You need to lean forward, okay? Now, specifically when it comes to beginners, and we talked about the potential of taking a little bit of a header, um, put a bolster down, put a couple of blankets down, have a little crash pad, have a little bit of a runway, because even if you don't need them, it still makes people feel more comfortable leaning Taking forward. The risk, yeah. Yeah. The other thing which can be really nice, which addresses what I was articulating about hip height relative to arms, is squatting on a block. So get a block, get a bolster or a couple of blankets, bolster or blankets in front of you, squat on the block. And then I think the last thing about this for beginners is to really focus on not lifting up, but transitioning forward. And I would say, if you're a newer student and you get, at at the end of your bakasana, you have more weight in your hands than your feet, you've done the pose well. Even if the feet don't come off the ground, that's okay. We, we can't get black and white about this, right? Think about all of the people, including myself, who bend their knees a little bit and they're standing forward bend. I'm still doing a standing forward bend, even though I'm bending my knees a little bit. I'm still doing a back bend, even though parts of my back don't seem to bend very much. <laughs> That's my whole life, yeah. Right? So just focus on getting more weight into the hands than the feet. And if you keep doing that over time, the feet will probably end up coming up off the ground. But don't say to your don't don't let don't let yourself think like this is a black and white situation when other poses are not mm-hmm. right. Absolutely. Same thing for Parsha Bakasana in terms of its setup. Now, what we would do in Parsha Bakasana for its setup is we still want to have that bolster in front of us, and we still want to be squatting on the block. But think about you being on a yoga mat you're going to be facing like the normal way you would face on a yoga mat, right? You're like end to end on a yoga mat. The thing that you want to do for beginners with partial bakasana, and I'll replug the teacher's companion that we're going to release soon, is you want to turn yourself and the block 45 degrees to the right. And you want to take the right elbow to the outside of the left knee. This is going to sound, if you're just listening to this, this is going to sound like totally crazy. Like if anyone can follow what I just said, you're a yeah. true hero. <laughs> um, my, my point on this is think about this is the easy part of the pose. The setup is the easy part of the pose and you need to be oriented. And if you just put your hands in some random position, it is not going to work, right? So you don't want the hands in some random position. You want the hands... So the fingers are facing forward on the mat. You want your hands, when you set up for Parsha Bakasana, to be in the exact same place that they are in down dog and plank and regular Bakasana. So essentially what you're doing is you're pre-twisting the rest of your body so that you're not just putting those hands in random positions. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And let's just talk about the mechanics of 
you know, what you're strengthening in these poses in the Bakasana family? Because I think people might be surprised by how much you are strengthening. Okay. I think the other thing that's valuable in art in describing this is sometimes when we're working on harder poses or when we're teaching harder poses, we might feel like it's valuable to qualify the benefit to our students. And so being able to really articulate like, hey, I know this is hard, but in addition to it being like something to kind of play with, it's going to strengthen X, Y, and Z. So let's start and think about the core in these two poses, Bakasana and Parsha Bakasana. In Bakasana, your spine is flexed. It's actively flexed. So you're engaging all four of your primary abdominal muscles and your most anterior, your rectus abdominis, is probably working the most. So you're working your obliques, you're working your transverse, and you're also working your rectus abdominis. In that regular bakasana, you're also really strengthening your hip flexors. Now, most people have tight hip flexors, but most people also have weak hip flexors. It's a weak and tight part of the body. So hip flexors are something we definitely want to lengthen out, but strengthening them is a good thing. Now, in terms of Parsha Bakasana and core, Parsha Bakasana, the spine really isn't flexed. The spine is the spine is more neutral and rotated. So you don't you don't really have that rounded flexed position. We don't really want it, but you're rotating. So in Parsha Bakasana, you're probably not engaging your rectus as much. I mean, it's probably on a little bit, um, but you're strengthening your obliques really, really well, especially if you're doing the version of side crow where the elbow is not against the hip. One elbow is going to be against the knee. If the other elbow is against the hip, and again, this is something I talk about in the companion, if the other elbow is against the hip, it's fine. It's not my preferred way to teach anyone, including beginners, but it's okay. If the elbow's on the hip, you're probably not going to be using your obliques at all because this, because it becomes more of a passive. It's a much more passive pose for the core. But if you're working the pose where the elbow is up or the hip is up away from the elbow, 100% you're strengthening the obliques. In your upper body, you're really presenting the exact same demands and that you're strengthening the same things in Bakasana and Parsha Bakasana. Because your upper body isn't really different. When I say your upper body, like your arm and shoulder demands in these two poses, they're the same. The twist is below it. The twist is below the shoulders and arms. So the twist doesn't really affect the shoulders and arms. So let's think about the backside of the shoulders. In both of these positions, your scapular muscles are having to work just to help maintain scapular position. So your rhomboids, your middle and lower fibers of your trapezius, those are all working. Also on the other side, like on the the lateral more anterior side of the scapula, your serratus anterior in both of these poses are working. On the front of the shoulders. Oh, triceps are working a lot too, actually, because they're having to hold the arms in that, in that bent elbow stress position. On the front side, 
you're working pecs and anterior deltoids a lot. Okay. Yeah. So shoulder and arm. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to just fast forward, core and shoulders. I just want to put in a good word here for, um, if I have permission to speak freely. Of, uh, is it granted? You, okay. I want everyone to know that's an inside joke. Okay. All anyone that's particularly uptight, absolutely, you do. It, he usually says it to me. He yeah, usually well, asks for me for permission to speak freely. It's like our way of saying to each of warning each other that the other person might not like what they're going to say. I want to put in a good word for allowing you to rest your hip on your elbow for side curl. And I'll, I'll tell you it's fine. Yeah. I know you, I know it's yeah. fine, but just like having a different body than you, you know, and just not having as much innate upper body strength. The thing when I'm not feeling strong enough to do it, lift it off the elbow. I'm talking about a side curl here, people, if you can't imagine what I'm talking about, it just allows you to feel the shape of the pose. Yeah. And and you can actually squeeze the legs together and start to get like the inner legs up to the core starting to work. Obviously it's not as strong, but you can like start to proprioceptive what you're going toward. So Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Uh, totally. I'm not even holding something back in this oh, moment. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, I knew you weren't. I just yeah. wanted to point that out. Yeah. Okay. Are we on our last family? Final family. Final family. Okay. The push down and lift up family. Which probably most of us feel a little bit of like, ugh, but it's so good for us. This family is really good for us. And one of the main things, let's start with the the quick little anatomy. Like we just kind of wrapped that one. When you're doing the push down and lift up family, strengthening triceps, ah, your triceps are involved. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you're strengthening, you're engaging your triceps nice and strongly. I, I don't want to try to try to parse why my mind is going back and forth on this one. You are getting really good scapular depression. You're you are we are always like I love it when my scapular are depressed. I know. I used to make I I made jokes about this for like 15 years. Like, uh, poor scapula. In in person trainings, and I got to the place no one because we both have so many mental health issues. Yeah, I have have over the years. I have um, scapula with generalized anxiety disorder. (laughs) You do. That's what you have. (laughs) (laughs) My scapula have panic disorder sometimes. Yeah. Anyways, (laughs) a lot of times you just use the word proprioceptive. The body needs resistance, especially if something is a little bit offline. If you have like a region of the body that you have a hard time feeling or engaging, it's a little bit offline, it needs resistance. And we often talk about draw the shoulder blades towards each other and draw the shoulder blades down, draw the shoulders down. But when you're drawing the shoulders down against nothing, it's it's can be really hard to feel. Mm-hmm. But in the push down and lift up, you're drawing the shoulders down against the weight of the body because you're 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 pushing the hands strongly down. I'm going to suggest not into the floor, but into block, onto blocks, which I'll talk about in a moment. And so you, you really get a much greater sense of how to create that strong downward action of the scapula than you do in any other position. And this is mechanically useful. Mm-hmm. Um, you're also in this whole family going to be strengthening hip flexors and anterior core. This is this is something kind of across the board with most arm balances. 
Some arm balances, especially more experienced level arm balances, have big hip opening demands. You know what? We didn't actually say which poses are included in this family. So oh, I'm, well, I'm going to get to them. Okay, so, okay. So, so baby lolasana and baby tolasana. Okay. Okay? So baby lolasana, baby tolasana, and baby grasshopper. I know it, it what pains about me. Boss to baby grasshopper. <laughs> yeah, boss babies in it. That was such a good show. Loved that show. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they'll sponsor us. <laughs> because we keep getting in, we keep getting interest from sponsors. We keep getting interest from sponsors. Everyone, there are so many reasons that we do this for free for you. And this is not sponsored. One of which is anytime sponsors want to sponsor us and they send us our stuff, we just we can't do it. We're like mm. we're like, that's gross. Yoga Land, sponsored by Boss Baby. Boss Baby, a show that we enjoy. Okay. In the more experienced level arm balances, you often have big hip opening demands. But in this more novice level, you don't really have hip opening demands because we're not putting those in, but you have very substantial shoulder strengthening and anterior core strengthening demands. So the first one is baby lolasana, baby pendant pose. Now, this is another one that's difficult to describe. And for this and the next pose, you really want to have hands on blocks. Because, and, and, and blocks on their lowest level, blocks on the side or blocks on the end could be a little unstable. So you want the blocks flat. You want them right next to the hips. A lot of times students that are longer waisted, if you have a longer torso and proportionally shorter arms, these poses, you're going to be mechanically disadvantaged for these poses because you have less efficient leverage. It doesn't matter about how strong you are. You just don't have the right leverage for it, right? So when you're working with a beginner, it's just good to assume they're going to benefit from having their hands on blocks. Then it doesn't matter what their proportions are. They're going to be able to do these poses. You, in baby low loss and appendant pose, you're just kneeling. You have the blocks next to you, about mid-shin, you press the floor away. You round your back. It's kind of like cat pose, right? You lift the shins off the ground. You lift the knees off the ground. You lift the hips up off of the heels. You round your back and you just keep the top of the feet on the floor. And it's a really, I think it's a really nice pose. It builds a lot of strength in the scapula, scapular muscles, and it builds a lot of strength in anterior core. Baby Tolasana is very similar. We just, in this situation, we're sitting cross-legged, so baby scales pose. So the, the non-baby version is you're sitting in lotus. You take the hands to the floor next to you, just slightly in front of the hips. You press the floor and you lift up, okay? But in this one, you just keep the cross-legs. You take the hands on blocks. You press down. You lift your seat. And then you lift everything you can lift, but the outside of the feet are going to stay down. You can play with having them lift one foot at a time. Um, but for the most part, this is just learning how to push down and lift up. Mm -hmm. For students that have the aspirations of jumping through from down dog all the way through to Pachimotsanasana, like this is not a beginner's thing. But if you were a beginner in that, this is also another really good prep. Like totally. this, this is a... This is a necessary 
step on the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then baby grasshopper, I'm not even going to begin to try to explain online. Yeah, I think that's it's just, just literally the there's video. there's no possible way. You can Google it, just baby grasshopper, but just audio wise, um, I'm going to save us all a little pain and just say it's a it's like I think. Would the, you put that in the push down, lift up category? Yeah, because okay. it could go in a couple of different categories, but I I think it it go it fits best here. The reason that I'm putting baby grasshopper in this, okay, if we if we almost go full circle to the beginning of our conversation, I think I always feel a little scared in yoga acknowledging interests in aesthetics and what something looks like, right? Because in so many ways, like it's not what we're about. At the same time, I feel like baby grasshopper is one of these poses that to to an untrained eye looks kind of cool. You know, it just looks different and cool and novel. And no, we're not doing poses to be cool or novel, but- Again, we all need to have some joy and fun in our yeah, lives. Yeah. I don't think you need to feel guilty about that. Yeah, and, and just, just kind of play, right? It's yeah. just kind of play around and see like, oh, this is weird. I wonder if I can do this. And it's, uh, it's actually a- I show two versions of it. It's really easy. It's really easy pose, especially the first version of it. But it's one of these things, it looks a lot harder than it is. And so when a new student does something that they don't think they can do, that's a big deal. Yeah, It's hugely motivating. And do, do I wish that was completely how our species seems to be? No. But we do tend to get a lot of motivation from doing something that we haven't done before. Something novel. And and we do need some some novelty and like you're saying, some playfulness. Um and I think I think all of these poses are they're all totally reasonable to work with. I think the the final thing that I just really briefly want to address as teachers, when you're working with newer students, you're you're naturally working with a little bit more of a limited curriculum, right? Like when you're working with really advanced students, there's like a lot of things they can do. So there's a lot of options. When you're working with newer students, there's a smaller curriculum, you have fewer choices. And so to start to incorporate some of these or to start to work on these, it expands your teaching repertoire. Like it just gives you more things to work on. Similarly, with regards to sequencing, it just gives you things to work backwards from and sequence from, mm-hmm. right? Like you can put the side plank family work together really well with warrior two based things where you're talking about how the shoulder blade moves and how the arms rotate. You can put the bakasana and the partial bakasana stuff with rounded spine poses and twists. You can put all of these poses, including the push down and lift up, family with different versions of plank, different versions of forearm plank, different accessible core strengtheners. So so hopefully this isn't just for the student to enjoy themselves and play and expand their repertoire, but also for teachers to keep ourselves fresh and to and to to have content to work with where we where we get to enjoy teaching. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, I think that was really helpful and interesting, and I want to mention one more thing that Jason doesn't know that I'm going to mention, which is that 
It's your birthday this week. It is my birthday Everybody this week. wish him a happy birthday on Wednesday, September 20th. How do you feel about heading into your last year of your 40s? Um, I think I'm pretty good with it. I mean, we've had this conversation plenty of times. I, You could not pay me to go through my 20s again. Hmm. You could not pay me. So I keep, I keep getting kind of happier mm-hmm. as I get older. It's so interesting, isn't it? You know? Yeah. Um, I, I kind of wish that I had, I don't know, I guess, um, yeah, there are certain, certain, um, yeah, I'm good with it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm good with it. This is how Jason usually is about talking about his birthday. So I'm, I'll just leave it at that. We're baking yeah. him a gluten-free cake. And we're going to celebrate being alive and being together and, and loving our family. So Going to bed early. And going to bed early. Yeah. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. I'll put show notes with some sequences, um, some arm balance sequences that we have on the website. I'll put show notes at yogalandpodcast.com slash episode 311. If you enjoy the podcast, it's always so helpful when you rate and review it. Um, and also when you share it on social media or share it with family. Thanks again. Until next week, enjoy your practice.